coming at us quick. It's NBA basketball. It's around the corner. We are back. I get buckets podcast. As always, Simon Harricks. You should know the deal by now. We are continuing where we left off for the I Get Buckets Fantasy Preview Season 21 into 22. We have six pods and six teams down, four to go, wrapping up all of the projections for every single player that was taken in the I Get Buckets Fantasy Draft, all of my thoughts, how they're going to go. We're going to be bringing more hot takes or cold pies this uh, podcast and going through for the last pour than four than we have previously. I've listened them back. I don't want to be sitting on the fence. It's going to be making for some easy and fun listenings and to really light the fire under some of the banter as we get into tip-off. Um, the days are, are bleeding into each other as we're, we're stuck at home and, and with no basketball other than preseason stuff that um, is getting too much at this point. It's too much preseason. I'm reading in it too much. It's It's... It's we need the tip off so we can start putting some of everything we're projecting to the side and start really seeing how it's going to come together. But as we you know fill in the time and the the days, it's only a week really left until we get into basketball. So I'm on the clock for the next four. So we're going to do it um, as quick as possible to get it out so everyone has a chance to listen. But as we go, we haven't really gone completely straight in order. We've matched it a little bit, but we're doing this one now for team number five. So coach just picked um, number five going forward. It's going to be a pleasure to look at the team here. Big Daddy MJ, a team that has come in um, reigning champion of the I Get Buckets League, um, a team that has really been the benchmark for two seasons now, um, put together a a real huge run of, I think it was 11 straight wins before an interrupted COVID uh, 2020 finale and uh, redemption in the form of a championship this past season coming. So it's going to be really good to look at the teams. I think um, what we have learnt from, from Coach um, in the past and, and most recently is the fact that he's been able to, to draft smarter, I think, than the other teams, or even play the pickups and everything um, a little bit more clever as it's kind of going. And I think, um, I guess, in the nicest way possible, some of the draft has, has felt very um, auto-draft formula in terms of taking players at the right time um, and players that are a little bit overlooked from others. And I think it's it pays off in, in sometimes and sometimes it doesn't. Um, and, you know, there's a little... little um, shaking of, of risk and and uh, reaches for, for some of the players. But I think what kind of we all saw last playoffs was um, a team that really held true to what it was doing and, you know, opportunistic uh, trades and pickups um, where possible. But, you know, it was really held onto its, its breath where other teams just kind of fell over their own feet towards the end and it was able to, to get the reward. And I think... It's been a long time since this team has not really been successful at the very top of um, the, I guess, Buggers League and really the team to beat. So it's going to be interesting kind of going through and seeing how they stack up this season and and how it's going to be looking um, going forward or whether we're going to have a bit of a changing of the guard. But I think right off the bat, Joel Embiid at pick five is 
the right pick for here. As I said, I think it was a, a bit of a coin flip for, for James Harden and Joel Embiid um, for me here, and I'd be very happy for him to, to get to me at five. Um, I had him you know, at four just marginally because of where we think his you know, ceiling is still to be, to be pushed a little bit. Obviously, last season, he had you know, runner-up MVP in the voting and, and something, you know, that maybe was would have been a lot closer barring um, injury. But uh, Joel Embiid, you know, if the Sixers can get their, their stuff together, Ben Simmons, you know, um, there or not, um, you know, he's basically the engine room, whatever, you know, they run through is through him. You know, we've seen in the last couple of, I think it was a couple of seasons ago where he had the single day score of um, 71, 72. And from, from the top of my head, you know, there's just not any real... He's he's the player that can, can do that. And you can really lump him in with, uh, I think, Jokic and Antetokounmpo in terms of um, how devastating he can be on a, just a one-week kind of basis and lead a team to victory. So I think consistency, sometimes he doesn't um, have it to the level of your, your Luca or your Harden or even sometimes, you know, your Westbrook, but what he can do on a week, you know, basis can really just like win matches from you. And, um, I think we, you know, are seeing, you know, the, the best years of MB now, and now's the time to really back him in. And injury has been the only huge, um, barrier for him to not be a first round pick. He's been, you know, habitually, um, a second rounder, you know, for years now, um, with the expectation that he'd make a leap, and he has shown, you know, the glimpses of his thirty-five point eight average that he had last year, but it didn't really come together enough for people to kind of risk a first-round pick on. But you know, we saw last year, outside of um, you know the couple of months off, that it all really came together with the seventy sixes finishing on top, and I think he's barring you know anything drastic that he stays on the court, he's really the most bankable. Well, one of the most bankable guys they have. They they want to run through everything, you know, regardless of Simmons. And I'd be very happy with that. And we can we can go forward feeling quite comfortable, I think, in that aspect um, with him. And I think he's probably the last one um, at pick five that really had that giant upside um, that can, you know, be elite. And um, now I think there was just a little bit of a, a gap towards, you know, your, your Curry Towns and Westbrook's next. So it's a, it's a nice pick to have at pick five. Um, I think going through uh, to pick two, Damian Lillard comes in at, at 16. I think, you know, most of what we've talked about Lillard, you know, um, can be regurgitated. Um, what, you know, I think that, you know, he's he's quite settled in, in Portland regardless of, you know, some of the rumors in the offseason. I think, you know, the season starts, I'd be very surprised. You know, if he was moved, I think he's their leader. He's kind of bought in, you know, a, a stat line of his 31.1 last year, I think is very bankable. I think the thing is with Lillard, um, for me, it, it almost feels like, you know, he, he has kind of hit those, those marks to a point where he's not going to, to push it, but, you know, a 31.1 average is something that's it's massive. And um, if anything, the only thought is that, you know, he, he has to really perform again. And he always exceeds expectations because I think collectively as a community or even fantasy, we, we bump him down just a little bit um, every season thinking that he's not going to achieve what he does. And he always seems to, to exceed this level um, to a point that, you know, he's a smoky MVP and there's all these things that kind of go with him. But 
I like I, I do think when we all collectively bump them down a little bit, there's reasonings because of um, of doing it. You know, whether we think other people are going to go past him or we think some of the levels that he did, you know, it's not. Um, it's hard for him to to repeat. Um, you know, this attainment of of you know such a high quality of counting stats. But I mean, at, at some point, you're just going to have to say this is someone that you you know you should always take at this level and it's going to really provide backbone to your team and I think that's what he's going to do um yeah I I do think you know in terms of um the averages and stuff I had him at 18 on my board and, and this is the time to take him and um I would assume that you know with his 31.1 there was very few players that averaged higher than him that um were really going to get in terms of last year they get drafted after so coach saw that I was very happy to go with him here um it's it's fine. It's all good. Going through um, to Jimmy Butler next at pick twenty five. So I think you know he's a little bit more interesting if you want to kind of delve into some of the the stats um, from last year. Again, you know he has this average of thirty one point seven, and he's he's really um, a high achiever based on last year. I I do think you know the Lillard's projections are a lot more bankable, and this is why you know Jimmy Butler's available. Um, in round three, even with a higher average, even you know, tiny slightly to, to Damian Lillard, um, is that I think regardless of Jimmy Butler's performance in the the championship the year before, in terms of you know putting a lot more respect on his name as and vaulting him into that that next kind of elite uh, category, you know there still was the, these concerns of you know how he's going to perform fantasy wise on a, on a day to day. Um, or game-to-game prospect compared to, you know, just looking at the bubble in the championship. And I think he really validated that and delivered on it. Um, Obviously, we see 31.7, but um, I think if you look at a lot of, you know, the statistics, he had a career year shooting-wise, and I think a lot of his fantasy play was low-risk, um, and it kind of came together really nicely for him to, to deliver on that, and... I think, you know, there is potentially this downside to Jimmy Butler that if he doesn't, isn't able to shoot 49%, if Miami Heat are, you know, naturally progressing with some of their players and Kyle Lowry comes in, um, that he isn't looked to as much of kind of a leader because, you know, I think he was statistically surprising some of the, the lines that you get when you watch the Miami games and you kind of, oh, he's not really scoring too much, but, you know, he is getting these kind of subtle rebounds and, and being a real focus point through some of the sets that they they run for him to to really salvage low scoring nights for him to to be really relevant and obviously he doesn't really shoot um, the three pointer um, at all and that's because he, he's not really it's not really something that he does well so you know if this season I wouldn't be hugely surprised if you saw um, you know some of his game evolve a little bit with the scoring and he's still going to be quite efficient but if he's if he's not taking the three. Um, and you know some of the mid-range game isn't there. It's going to be hard um, for him to one achieve forty-nine percent. But even if he he does it, is he going to be doing it um, a, a big enough portion? If the counting stats with him go down, is is probably what um, I think some of the the risk is in taking Jimmy Butler. But I, I you know he's he's average obviously at thirty-one point um, seven last year to get someone who did that in round three. I think. Um, again, if you're looking at, you know, who's going to fail, he's the one to get. 
Um, but again, that's some of the, the vibe with him, whether, you know, he, he remains steady or players like uh, your Randall or your Gilgis Alexander or, or Aiden kind of surpass him a little bit. So I think it's going to be interesting to watch Miami Heat, Heat early. And I think there is a little bit of risk involved with Jimmy Butler and there potentially might be a fall, but... Um, Again, like I had him at 25 on my board and he went 25. Jeez, <laughs> yeah, bang on. So, um, yeah, um, yeah, it's fine. Um, moving into the next pick, we have Jalen Brown. Um, so it's Jalen Brown for the team and beads, feed and seed, um, which I think is a Simpsons reference that goes over my head, but I'm sure it's a really good one and it's a great team name. And quick shout out, all 10 teams changing the name, big Big ups for that. Very, very happy that it, we finally got there. <laughs> um, Jalen Brown, yeah, I think it's a it's it's a really kind of nice pick and it's probably the time I would have gone, not earlier. It's just kind of right. Um, pick 36. Um, he was on my board at 35. So <laughs> as far as it goes now, I think, again, coach is taking players um, where they deserve to be picked. I think Jalen Brown, we've seen again and again every year he's getting better, which is, you know, a really nice thing to see when he's still got, you know, youth on his side. He's still got a lot of things that he can progress. He's, he said there's a focus on defense for him moving in this year, which I know a lot of people, um, players were already saying, you know, <laughs> when they're, what they're working on. Uh, I'm working on my defense. I want to be the best defensive player. I want to be, you know, in the, you know, the amount of stuff that you hear about that is, is probably a bit ridiculous right now. And there's only a few players that, seem to to really kind of mean it and and move forward with that but um i think you know jalen brown is a an amazing person both on and off the court and i think what he brings to the boston celtics um in leadership and kind of complimenting jason tatum is is really a good thing for them and i think you know there's there's definitely ways for him to build on his 26.6 last year. I don't think he's as bankable as other players to really progress. Um, it's hard because, you know, he has gotten better every single year. Does he have that, that other leap? I think the 26.6 is, is, you know, pretty flattering, I think, in terms of um, what what he does, but that's not to downplay, you know, how good of a player he is. It's just more, um, I think, where he fits in um, in terms of some of his peers um, it's surprising that someone, you know, average your 24.7 minutes, oh, sorry, points, um, and your six rebounds was really able to, um, achieve that, I think, over the course of a long, uh, the full season, um, so I think I had him ranked, yeah, 35, because I think he's, he's quite safe in terms of what he's going to do if he can stay on the court, I like him in the Celtics, you know, permanent role with what he's going to do, um, It'd be curious. I don't think he compares as well with other players in terms of nights where he really goes off, um, you know, for your you know forty fantasy points or whatever. But I think he can really be consistent anchor um, to a team. Obviously, this year, looking at where Jason Tatum was drafted, I think the real collective um, thought process is that you know he's special. He's someone that can become you know elite, and Jalen Brown's still a bit of that running man. Um, kind of psychic, but um, again, like I think his his three pointers, especially from the corner, has looked really really good, and he's going to be able to be a lot more aggressive with ball in hand, and things are going to happen. Um, still, it's just um, again, I think the twenty six point six average is is probably um, 
more or less where I think he'd land, even though he might get better as a player to get better fantasy wise. Um, you know, it's it's a, it's just a it's a high um, floor or benchmark that he set himself for. So um, we'll see how he goes with that. I think it's the right right time to get him. Um, moving forward, Pascal Siakam in round five for pick number forty five. Um, yeah, it's 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 the right time. I guess the thing is with him was obviously he's starting the season injured. Um, again, I think we've seen enough from him that you have to respect the the fantasy output. Um, his average of 26.4, again, in the same vein, he's been really healthy. He's gotten better every single year. Um, if the, the only thought process, and this is trying me to be a little bit more interesting and <laughs> dating with the hot takes, is he kind of came out of nowhere with some of his... Um, he's kind of a fancy bolter in, in his skill sets and really announced himself to the NBA in a way that I still don't know 100% if we laid out the um, the Toronto team, if he's the best Toronto player there. I think, you know, we do we might see a scenario where collectively other people kind of get better and it might um, because, you know, he, he's not your out-and-out NBA superstar that's going to command... Um, you know, a certain kind of usage rate or pie, you know, just based on his recognition or his name or his, his fitting within the team that, um, you know, there's a risk element that once he comes back from injury, um, you know, that he doesn't automatically walk into this fantasy expectations or level that I guess we quickly became accustomed to in the last couple of years. Um, so I think that's a potentially just a little bit of risk. But I mean, I had him asterisk um, without, you know, including injury to, to be 34. So I didn't just one above Jalen Brown on my big board, but that was without injury. I think, you know, that's the reason why he slips um, a little bit more, but, you know, he might come back sooner rather than later. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's, it's, it's at the right time. But again, someone that will really anchor the team if you can slide into the, the same output. But um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be taking him expecting, you know, another step forward, but... I mean, that's why you get him at pick 45, um, which is good. I, I think that he's probably the last real kind of, yeah, bankable guys that was left on the board. And after you go that, you know, there was more risky picks like Oliver and your McCollum and your Anthony Edwards. Um, so I like I, I do think it's the right time and I probably would have gone um, in the same direction 100%. Um, but these are some of the thoughts that, you know, could eventuate, um, if things don't pan your way. Um, next pick, John Collins. I think John Collins is a, a, a coach fave. Um, been on the team a few times now. Uh, one that was hard to, to place for me, but again, one that probably has slipped um, compared to you know where he, he, he bases his um, projections on his, his average, at least. Um, an average of 23.2. Last year was a bit of a down year. I know there was queries last year kind of going in with Clint Cabala and Gallinari and his contract situation and a few things that kind of really pushed him down on boards. And I think it's probably safe to say that um, he didn't really completely match the expectations on what he'd done previously um, with the, you know, the average of 23.2. But you know, looking at him in playoffs and what Atlanta's going to do. Um, I think he, you can feel a little bit safe about his role, but I think 
last year there was this kind of risk that you could get him still thinking that he's, he's shooting for this, you know, 26, 27 average, um, you know, mark that he's a 2010 kind of guy. Um, and I think this year, I think, you know, there's a, a safer area of fantasy value that he's going to land in. Um, and we've, you know, we've seen the dunks, we've seen the hustle. I think defensively, you know, he's, he's a lot better than, um, people might've said, you know, there's the, the, the chase down and the rim protection, but I think it was foul prone. He wasn't rotating properly a little bit. There was some things getting lost in, in where he should be positioned. Um, if you want to be a real naysayer, I think he's, he's gotten a little bit, you know, better, all these things playing off of potentially, you know, a Clint Capella or with some of these other bench guys and not necessarily Trey Young all the time. Um, so I think for round like pick 56, it's good. I picked him, I had him at 49 on my big board. And this is the time you would go for him. Again, it, it's feeding into this theme, I think, of taking guys who are the next, you know, on the board in terms of you'd want to be picked, but um, the awareness of these are some of the reasons why other coaches just haven't picked them yet. Um, and if things break right, um, you know, I think he's a real good alignment. I think the, the best thing about these players is that if things break wrong, I don't see them to be that wrong they're all going to give this real kind of solid production that I think collectively when you look at these coaches um, picks from you know 1 to 15 it really stands out um, as a team to be worried about because I think for the most you know teams across the board myself included you can really zero in players and going well I'm not sure about that I think all these players and we'll keep going through um, I don't really have one where I'm like oh wow I don't know about that one apart from maybe John Wall, (laughs) Um, but again, like, yeah, it's just, there's a reason why some coaches have kind of passed over them. And if across the board, the, the concerns that, you know, they're not going to reach the levels that they have, um, you know, it will potentially not see the, you know, the coach have um, the heights that they were expecting. But I think, you know, this is really kind of, nitty gritty stuff and and overall it's it's really kind of bankable and you can say very similar stuff again for uh, Malcolm Brogdon so at pick 65 to be honest I think it's a it's it's a a really good pick and it's the pick that needed to be taken he's here he's 51 on my big board he averaged 24.8 last year like these guys all were like really good players last year but again it's that sense of you know, Malcolm Brogdon, um, you know, like Pascal, that they announced themselves on the, you know, the the NBA, you know, scene as being someone that you really needed to respect fantasy-wise because they're getting this, you know, this usage in the team and they're, they're performing and exceeding everything. And Malcolm Brogdon's, you know, splits last year was really good. It's really reliable. I was, you know, trying to watch Indiana Pacers where I went and really impressed with his decision-making, the way he got to the basket, you know, shooting has always been something, you know, he was really reliable on. But, you know, the all-round dynamics to being a, um, a elite, if not very good, point guard, because, um, you know, it's a point guard heavy league, you know, he's really come on on leaps and bounds to the point of, <laughs> you know, we're talking, would you trade Ben Simmons for him? <laughs> um, and I think Ben Simmons obviously is, you know, a more important, better player overall, but the value that Malcolm Brogdon kind of, brings to the paces and brings to fantasy is a very high level again it's just okay 
how do we see a scenario that he's going to get better than this? I don't know, you know, are the, collectively are the paces growing around him? Um, are we seeing, you know, some of, some of, because he's, again, not, you know, the, the most bankable NBA star that if things kind of happening around him, um, will some of his, you know, values eroded slightly. Um, but I think, again, coaches probably looked at what's left um, and been very, very happy to kind of draft him here, you know, behind a player like, you know, Kevin Porter Jr. or Robert Williams that people are really risking, you know, a lot on. And he's kind of, you know, happy to take someone that um, definitely, you know, needs to be taken at some point or otherwise he was becoming a really, real big bargain. Um, so, yeah, happy, happy for that one. Jaron Jackson Jr. is the first one that I think he, you know, detours a little bit from just like the stock standard kind of um, auto draft game plan. Um, and I think, I think it's a very savvy and smart pick. Um, I think Jaron Jackson Jr. obviously missed all of, if not most of, sorry, last year. And we weren't able to see um, a lot of what he could bring. You know, he's 18.9 average last year. You can kind of throw away a little bit, but it's nice to see that when he did come back, even though there might have been some growing pains, that he was still able to carve out quite a, a solid, respectable average that you'd hope that he could build on quite significantly. I think in he's you know, been taken in the same round as, as, as Darius Garland. And I think some of the things I said about him in terms of Garland and Jackson have both been kind of um, projected as being, you know, most improved candidates. It's, you know, a year for them to really kind of step up. And I think collectively everyone's bought in a little bit to this. So you do need to go earlier than, you know, you maybe would have. And that in that um, vein, you've paid... Um, you know, a higher price, but you've paid the right price thinking that they're going to, you know, really hit or exceed the, you know, the pressure or the expectations on him. So, you know, I really quite like Jaron Jackson Jr. here. Um, I think he's in a similar way to, you know, Garland. Um, there's, you know, a, a scenario where you've, um, you haven't got a bargain, you know, you've paid the right price and if things, you know, don't go um, according to plan, then, you know, it can hurt your draft stock. But, um, yeah, I had him at 68 on my board. He goes here at 76. Um, and I think it's it's a real nice acquisition. I think with Memphis, obviously, they've found a little bit of an identity, but they've got a lot of kind of pieces and not, not like this real kind of star outside of, you know, Ja Morant. And I think Jaron Jackson and what they believe in him internally, that he can kind of come in and, um, all these Memphis players that you saw last year kind of carving out little roles for, you know, week to week, whether it was, you know, your Xavier Tillman or your Brandon Clark, um, you know, collectively he can uh, get everything that they were doing successfully and, and bring it to, to his consistent um, output over the course of the 82 games. And, you know, without um, Jonas Valanciunas, I know Stephen Adams comes in, but I don't think he's you know, as much as a, a fantasy detractor from um, what other, you know, players have got going on for the team. Um, and I know, you know, Kyle Anderson was, you know, a little bit of a darling last year, but whether it's Anderson or, or, or Brandon Clark and stuff, I think Jaron Jackson can really kind of take the pie almost and become a real, you know, valuable asset. So um, I think it's a really, really smart pick. I like it. I'd, I'd be very happy with this one here. Um, next one is Andre Drummond. So 
this one's interesting. I think the fact that he's taken Drummond and Embiid um, makes it a little bit better. Um, I think there's there's you could sell yourself on the fact that he's a bit of an Embiid insurance um, there that it, you know it, it kind of helps the decision making. I think it'd be interesting to kind of look at Dwight Howard's um, stats for last year because I think he's he's almost a better Dwight. So Dwight Howard averaged fifteen point three last year. I think you know the thing is with um, Andre Drummond that he's not going to be on the court at the same time as Embiid, but when he is on the court. Um, you know, he has this pedigree um, with fantasy in terms of his rebounds, um, especially his rebounds that make him fantasy relevant and valuable and one of the most, you know, biggest question marks on the past couple of years in terms of um, what's the minutes he's going to get. And that's going to be the only real detractor him from here. And I think everyone and coach would be, you know, very aware of aware of this, that um, if if he's got enough minutes on the court, then he can make a round nine pick um, worthy. I just, um, it'd be interesting to kind of see how it's going to round out. But, you know, I do think that it, there's a potential that he's gone a bit early with him unless he can, you know, really um, <laughs> dominate when he's on the on the court. And I think, um, you know, his average of 25.2 last year is obviously way off. It's going to be a lot lower. Coaches, you know, he slipped this far knowing this. Um, you know, he's been taken at pick 90, 85 here. I had him at 106 on my board because I just think there's there's so many other kind of players that are still available for you to kind of roll the dice on that are going to, you know, have a, a fixed role in their team that is a lot more worthy on banking. And you're basically, I know it's, it's a high-level um you know, backup center in the NBA that you're going for, but you are um, you are going for a backup center in round nine that potentially may level out. You know, at 20 minutes, but depending on how things go, and they might they might try to shake the stuff out. I think you know a lot of things can kind of happen, and to have him on your roster in case things break right um, is a risk. Maybe you know coaches are willing to kind of have, and again, it's the MB insurance stuff. If Embi, you know, goes down for whatever reason, you'd think that he kind of really gets back his shine <laughs> as an option. But um, I don't really see him, you know, playing much outside of the first couple of minutes and last quarters um, unless there's foul trouble. Um, and there's just little things about him that, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to kind of have stock in long term. So, um, yeah, I think you can try and sell me on it, but I would have liked him maybe in the last couple of rounds, really. Um Next pick, Bogdan Bogdanovich. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm a big Bogdan Bogdan fan. Everyone knows it. I think this is the right time for him. I'm a little bit concerned about some of the kind of wing stuff that Atlanta's got to go on. You know, I think they've maybe really want to find out what they've got with Cam Reddish. I think Bogdan has, has shown us um, that it was kind of. I was interrupted last year with his injury and then coming back and some of the things they would do. But when they, they really started relying on him to handle the ball a little bit to facilitate, um, he's, he's, I think his shooting splits, especially early last year, didn't really tell the story of how good of a shooter he was. And you only have to kind of look at his decision-making and his form and his follow-through and everything to say, you know, now keep shooting it. Like, everything's going to come. And then it really did in a big way late last season 
um, and even into the playoffs where um, they're very happy to rely on him when Trey Young was on the bench to kind of do stuff. I think he's a lot more reliable and, you know, makes plays better compared to like your Lou Williams who was kind of running stuff sometimes. Um, and I just, I'm a big believer in Bogdan Bogdanovich. I think he's a fantastic NBA winning basketball player who's smart, makes the right decisions. Um, the concern is that um, now that they they may not have, you know, have the tightened, um, you know, player rotation that they did towards the end of the season. Um, if Hunter, you know, is back healthy, if, if Reddish is getting more of a, a look in, um, that, you know, even if, like you got, you still got your Kevin Herter and your Danilo Gallinari, that um, it might water down some of the upside for Bogdan Bogdanovich fantasy-wise and that you're really going to have to rely on his scoring a little bit more um, than everything else. Um, and I think, you know, you saw that when it goes bad, like what happened early last season, and I, you know, really put stock in him and it turned around. Um, but, you know, these are some of the risks. Um, you know, pick 96, I think, again, it's, it's the turn to take him. I had him basically next to um, DeAndre Hunter in terms of who would I take first. I thought it was... Um, a real interesting kind of conundrum or toss-up. But, I mean, I did have him at 74 on my board. Like, I think, you know, you've got him at the right time. Um, it's just, you know, would you have rather gone a Keldon Johnson or a Jalen Green um, afterwards? But, you know, I think it's 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 a good pick. Um, but there is that inherent risk. Um, I think next is, is Mitchell Robinson, another one that... I think has a real potential to, to pay off if things are, are healthy and, and go the right way at pick um, 105. Um, he, he's one that I really struggle to place. I had him at pick 83 on my board, um, but I don't think that there's this clear um, guaranteed expectation that if he's fit, he's a starting you know center for New York that's going to be relied on um, to play a lot of minutes. I like. I don't think that that's a guarantee. Um, I think if it does happen, he completely outperforms his draft you know, position here. But, you know, him being very injury prone is a worry. I still think he hasn't really developed the way that, you know, coaches would have expected both fantasy and in New York maybe. Um there was, you know, obviously this big thing that when, they were, when he was, Jared, you know, drafted the same year as Jared Allen, um, that which one was better, and you would have heard a lot of Mitchell Robertson talk, but, you know, Jared Allen's on a, you know, $100 million contract now, and, you know, Mitchell Robertson's really struggled to, to string together um, a good patch of, you know, 30 games. So um, there's a real scenario where this one can, can hurt you, Um I just, yeah, I don't, I, I don't think, you know, you take him with the shine that he's starting New York um, center. There's a, a few things to kind of water to go under the bridge, but you, we, we do know that when he's, um, you know, getting a lot of the, the allotment that he is that permanent monster in this kind of similar to, to Drummond that, um, you know, he rebound and block shots um, with the best of them. Um, it's just, can he be an offensive threat whatsoever? Um Maybe, you know, it's it's really that pick and roll kind of stuff. But he is a bit of a breakout candidate still in the, all these years in. And I think um, it's one of those picks that really could, could break right. Um, but you've drafted him early enough that if it doesn't, it still, it still quite hurts you. Um, 
but I mean, I think it's a better pick than than John Wall at one hundred and sixteen. Um, the the problem the problem is with John Wall that it, it like it just doesn't seem that he's he's going anywhere and then he's going to play. Um, it's it's hard to kind of see a real trade that that works. It's hard to see how a buyout works with how much money. Even if the best case scenario is that he's traded somewhere, I think some of the, my similar thoughts with Kemba Walker is. I think we're gone from the expectation that you think, okay, he's if he can get into the right scenario, he can, you know, deliver on the levels that we know that he can or he did. I think, you know, those days are a little bit gone. Um, even last year, you know, I think before injury and everything, you know, he was afforded the opportunity to be John Wall and he couldn't. Um, you know, 21.8 is what he got last year and I think that, you know, that's best case scenario for him if he even lands somewhere and there's a lot of kind of steps to go at the moment you know he's with the team but he's not playing um i mean i would i would have put him in the same category that i put uh, victor oladipo at the moment is you know i'm not going to draft him but you know let's see what happens (laughs) um if you can kind of get back and show us something and at least oladipo's got a path to um you know coming back when he's healthy is John Wall, there's no real path at the moment and things can happen really quickly and obviously coaches probably drafted him with the expectation that things will change, that he's a calibre of player that's going to find a way to fall or be on a team and play. But, you know, the longer we get to the season, the more it seems that they're very happy with him, you know, being with the team but not playing, which um, is, is a shame, but maybe where we're at and, you know, potentially is a bit of a, a wasted pick um, at the moment. Um but I think he makes up for it completely with Kelly Olynyk in his next one. Um, I think you know the the thought process with him is that um, for uh, Detroit that he he kind of fills in that you know center slash you know power forward role potentially at times that he's going to get starting minutes and that what we saw from him um, at Houston Rockets is that he's very much a bit of a fantasy darling when he does get it um, and I think it's a it's a good um, a good kind of roll of the dice this late to think that you could get someone like that who may play his way into a really solid um, fantasy line. Um, I'd be I'd be very happy to take the risk here. He, you know, averaged twenty point three last year, and it's a little bit um, hard to kind of do because he averaged a lot less early, and then at the end of the season he was an absolute dynamo. Um, so uh, you know, I had him at eighty six on my board. I think you know to get him at round thirteen. Um, at 125 is really, really good because, you know, you're happy to risk it this late because obviously the, the other side of the scenario is that, you know, Detroit are leaning a little bit into um, what they can do with, you know, Sadiq Bay and Isaiah Stewart and maybe he doesn't really, you know, get the, the allotment that you were expecting. But as I said with some of those other players, like I'm not 100% sold on some of the younger guys that aren't named Cade Cunningham. So... You know, there's going to be, you know, opportunity potentially that Kelly Olenek does, you know, um, a Mason Plumley role but with more offense. And I think, you know, in that respect, they've got a track record of bringing in guys that may be question marks um, in terms of their direction, but have shown, you know, to carve out fantasy um, roles. And that I think 
you know, a pick at this pay is, is well worth the risk and there's a real opportunity that he outperforms this mark and that if he doesn't and, you know, the, the younger guys really kind of take the shine for him not to be relevant, that you've only really used, you know, your third last pick. So um, it doesn't hurt you too much. So I'd be happy with that one. I think uh, Jordan Clarkson definitely feeds back into, you know, the, the feeling of, of someone who's probably the highest average player left on the board to be taken. And I think there's nothing wrong in, in going in that direction here. Um, if you don't want to take some of the, the bigger risks, um, I think Jordan Clarkson has, has played his way into not being a risk as much anymore, especially off the back of, you know, sixth man of the year role last year with Utah. I think, you know, potentially um, it may be hard for, you know, the pathway, I think, usually for sixth men to, you know, be more fantasy relevant is obviously when they don't become a sixth man anymore, at least on the most part. Um, that's the path that they become in, you know, a big part of the starting five and, and progress that way. I think Jordan Clarkson's pretty boxed into what he is and what he brings the NBA, and he's become more than just like a microwave scorer off the bench, but someone can really, you know, anchor an offense and, and give you a lot of production. Um and I think, you know, replicating, you know, anywhere near last year's 17.9 is going to be, you know, a real benefit. Um, I think more than likely, you know, it's hard for him to attain those levels, especially if Utah, you know, can't be as successful and they're not the number one team in the East, but um, the West, I should say. Um, but, you know, I think, again, at this round, you know, if, if you want to play it safe, then Jordan Clarkson's a, a nice get that, is, is not going to be, you know, a, a player that you immediately have to become a liability. He's going to, you know, round off and, and give you um, at least a, a quite solid baseline of production, you would you would think. So, I mean, that's fine. Um, 136 for me, and he, he, you know, he landed at 120 on my, my, my big board as someone that you'd have to respect at around about this time. Um, I'm not sure if I would have taken him at all, but, you know, he, he has to be put there based on um, what he did last year. Um, I think it was was quite healthy. Um, and the next pick, you know, it, it, it's fine. It's handy. I think taking a Kelly Oubre uh, Jr. with your last one at a pick 145 definitely has a lot of value to it. I think it's um, quite um, painfully, you know, obvious in terms of the strategy when, you know, at this stage, um, Kelly Oubre Jr. was, um, you know, the highest, you know, player on my board left, I think, in, in the last round. So, um you know, it's 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 a really interesting one there. I think what happens with Ubre that you know the concerns is just around Charlotte and what they think what they're going to do. There's a lot of you know moving pieces. I think they're going to be better, but you know Ubre projects at this stage you know to come off the bench. You know he's going to be fighting with production with your um, Mikael Bridges and potentially some of the offense with Book Knight. Um, you know, depending on how you know PJ Washington goes and if he plays a lot more four and. Um, you know, I, I really still believe in Kelly Oubre's kind of skill set, but I think we've seen, you know, with the increased opportunity sometimes doesn't really have come the increased stats and that he might kind of really settle into to something that he was, you know, what we saw kind of early on with, with Washington. And um, I think it's it's more than, you know, happy to take a roll of dice here. Um, I think it's safe without being too safe. And I think you probably could have brought, you know, branched out to, to look somewhere else here. Um, but yeah, as I said, um, I think 
he was the the last one that was probably you know available um, on my board in terms of there's no one higher than I I have him here that didn't get drafted if that makes sense so I had him 116 um, and basically everyone else above him on my board to 114 was drafted so um, yeah I think that kind of speaks to to where you know coaches kind of gone there it's like who's the the next best available one that I can kind of bank on and I think you know an average of 18.6 last year at least shows you some of the upside I think the Golden State um, experiment was really weird one because you know he had flashes of of it kind of coming together but you know historically had one of the worst kind of shooting stretches to open the season and was kind of put on the trade block by um coach pretty quickly last year um so he's a fun one to watch you know i have two out of date Ubre juniors <laughs> jerseys that um you know if i really want to get fancy maybe he can play his way into um a place in my heart and i'll get it a third one <laughs> um but you know Charlotte's going to be a real league pass team. And I think there is moving parts there where he could become better um, just because yeah, I do see, you know, six, seven, you know, real draftable players in Charlotte. And even though if I've had Kelly Oubre, you know, ranked down the bottom of them, um, I, you know, I still had him ranked slightly ahead of Miles Bridges and to see how the things kind of pan out will be quite interesting. But um, yeah, I, I, I think I think the team... Um, is quite solid and it's going to put himself into every position to, to kind of try and defend. Um, and then it's going to be really kind of hang on to, to some of the players that he's drafted early um, in what they they really kind of bring to the table. Um, I'm talking, you know, your Pascal Siakams and your John Collins and Brogdons. But I think there's, you know, every chance we look up and say, oh, you know, how did Malcolm Brogdon get drafted outside of the top 50 again? Um, but, you know, I think the top... The top teams need to do the work if you're, you know, Drummond, Bogdanovich and Robinson um, don't really kind of pan out. Um, so again, I think it's it's really kind of um, methodic in, in the picks that have kind of gone, but there's probably more inherent risk, I think, to a few of them than um, are at first glimpse if, if, you, if you're following some of the thought process there. But... Interesting team, fun team, um, and I think again, coaches is very aware of what he's doing. Um, so I hope I've at least um, paid some respect to the thought process there. Um, all right, another one down. Um, three more to go, and I promise I will be getting these out in time for tip off for everyone to have an opportunity to listen. Um, and it's been a pleasure once again, and we'll catch you all on the next one. Cheers, fellas.